This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hello everybody, welcome back to Cover 2, podcast on the Cleveland Browns here from the Beacon Journal. This is Dan Kadar, joined as always by beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how are you? Good, Dan. How's it going? Very good. And again, if anybody didn't listen to us last time we recorded, apologies, we skipped a couple weeks there. Uh, Nate and I were both off. So, uh, be that as it may, Nate, let's just jump right into it because we got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. New Browns general manager Andrew Barry spoke to the media yesterday. And it's that that news conference is always my favorite one of the year, where the general manager talks right before the draft. But it's always hard to decipher what's true and not true, what's a smokescreen, what is not. What was your big takeaway from what Andrew Barry had to say? tiptoed about around uh, just about everything <laughs> so my big takeaway is um that he's not gonna give us any hints um really in the way he's leaning this is a guy who wouldn't even say whether he was gonna attend pro days before um COVID-19 shut down pro days and he was asked why 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 not and he said for competitive reasons so you know couple of things that, that came out of yesterday, um, aside from, from playing the cards extremely close to the vest, you know, Mackay Becton is certainly, uh, I think, one of the candidates uh, to, to become that 10th overall pick for the Browns, the, the big left tackle from Louisville, who we've talked about a, a ton. Well, lo and behold, Friday, NFL Network reported that he had a flag drug test at the the NFL scouting combine in February. So Andrew Barry was asked about that and said he wanted to comment on it, but they'd take all information into consideration. And I was, I was kind of curious about the quality of that information, the quantity of that information, given the circumstances like COVID-19 has changed the world. It's changed the way GMs are doing their job in the pre-draft process. They're not able to have these prospects into their team facilities for those top 30 visits that we're so used to tracking they're not able to go to the pro days and, you know, talk to people behind the scenes, talk to the, you know, not just the coaches and the staff at all the schools, but, you know, guys who work in the locker room, you know, maintenance people, you know, guys who, uh, and, and, you know, men and women who, you know, secretaries, whoever it may be, um, teachers, um, all kinds of people who might have some insight on, on the background of these prospects. Uh, you know, they're not getting that face-to-face time, that investigative time, uh, and, and, and some of that might make that, you know, um, legwork may have been done earlier, you know, last season in the fall and, and, and things like that, but there are more limited opportunities because of all this. So I asked him if, if all of the 
figuring out whether this is a big deal regarding Mackay Becton's uh, flag drug test. And he's basically said that he think he, he yeah, uh, obviously it's not the same as it usually is, but he thinks that they have all the information they need. They've done a really good job gathering it to make a decision on this. So he wouldn't say one way or another how he feels about it, if this is affecting his opinion of Becton as a prospect, but he thinks he has everything he needs to sort it all out. So um, that was one point. You know, another is just basically the rounds are open to trading down. Um, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, you know, he won't rule anything out. He said, he's repeatedly said that he won't be pigeonholed in any situation in the draft. So, um, you know, we, we kind of already know that. And, you know, that's, that's about it. You know, I think Paul D. Podesta had some even more interesting things to say last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things was that um, you know, I asked him about uh, how do you weigh the possibility of acquiring a proven veteran left tackle versus drafting one of these guys, bringing a young guy in on a rookie contract. And he went on and on about how you can't count on the rookie to play well right away. And, you know, yeah, there are rare exceptions like Joe Thomas, but that's, you know, unrealistic to think that would ever happen. Uh, again for the Browns so you know there's going to be you know uh, some growing pains that you're going to have if you if you go the, the rookie route with the left tackle and so it's definitely something that they have to weigh sure you bring in a guy who, who in the draft he could have a lot of potential and upside and, and you start to reap the uh, rewards a few years down the line but it would be unfair to expect him to come in and play well right away he also said that COVID-19 uh, you know, even adds to that. Rookies are going to have less time this offseason with coaches than they would otherwise, so it's going to even be more of a uh, uh, unusual circumstance for a rookie to come in and play well. So, to me, that that, that was interesting, um, and I think that the, the possibility of trading for Trent Williams is something that we all have to watch and be aware of. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep thinking to myself, Dan, they're going to have to, whoever trades for Trent Williams is going to have to pay him a ton, and he's going to probably be the highest paid, um, you know, left tackle in the NFL, and then you get into the fact, when you think about the Browns, they've already uh, allocated a lot of money on the offensive line, and I, hey, listen, I get they want to be QB-centric, that's the, the mantra of Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, Paul D. Podesta, they all keep saying it over and over again, they showed that in free agency, but when you when you have Jack Conklin making fourteen million a year, thirty million dollars guaranteed, you have a well paid center and JC Treader, well paid left guard and Joel Antonio. You've already got a lot wrapped up there. I just think it's more logical that you would bring in a rookie contract uh, onto that line and and and, and in a strong uh, tackle class that you would you would use the tenth pick on the tackle. But you know, I, I can't dismiss the, the possibility of Trent Williams uh, because there is a connection there. Bill Callahan was his line coach in Washington, and uh, there are certainly benefits to adding the proven, established veteran, like Paul D. Podesta, uh, you know, pointed out when I asked him about it. Mm-hmm. See, now it's interesting. We'll get to the Williams thing now because what what you're saying kind of it goes both ways a little bit. The the 
playing a rookie offensive tackle learning curve is real, unless of course you get a Joe Thomas type of player. And so if you factor that in, and you factor in the Browns having more money still than any team in the NFL under the salary cap, see that that really makes me wonder about the Trent Williams thing, and if it's more likely than not. I mean, the, the highest paid left tackle in the NFL right now is Anthony Costanzo of the Colts, according to SpotRack. He's getting $16.5 million. Taylor Lewan of the Titans is getting 16. Nate Solder of the Giants is getting 15. DJ Humphreys of, of the Cardinals is getting 14.5. I think Trent Williams is better than all four of those players, and the Browns have the money for it. So I, I, I do really wonder if, if if that is in the cards more. I mean, Josine Anderson of ESPN floated it today, uh, this morning, that, that the Redskins are still, you know, trying to move him, basically. So, I don't know. I, I really wonder about the Trent Williams thing. I don't think the Browns would trade a first-round pick for him, but I, I also don't know if that's the asking price anymore. I, I don't know. I think that one's really interesting, Nate. Yeah, let's go back to the money real quick. Everything mm-hmm. you're saying is true about that, them leading the league in salary cap space and all that. But we've talked about this before, Dan. True. And this is why I talk about the money allocated offensive line already. It's mm-hmm. about long-term roster strategy. Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward. Those extensions are coming up, okay? And if you're Andrew Barry, you're focused on that at least – just as much as the present you know you have your eye on a year or two down the road as well so that's where the money um kind of factors in a little bit more than just saying flat out yeah they have more money than anyone else true yeah that's a good point um hmm. i I don't know i i might just be a trent williams fan is, is the other thing about it and the Browns just seem like they're a team that should be ready to hit the ground running um, on, on a thing. And, you know, the, the more I think about it, you know, could they get out from under Batonio's contract if they wanted to? Does this front office value interior offensive line play? Stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. I think the Trent Williams thing is interesting, though. Um well, I think it does, to answer your question. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Berry, Paul D. Podesta, and Sashi Brown were very aligned when they were together 2016-2017. Um, and, yeah, it was 1-31. in 31. It wasn't good. But I look at the moves, too, and then think about what the history of those moves tells us. There's a couple things. One, they did make Kevin Zeitler the highest-paid guard in NFL history. True. So that tells me right there that they they do value uh, offensive line play. They also extended Joel Batonio into the contract that he has now. So they put a lot of money in guards right there. Tells me they believe in that. Even Sashi Brown leaving, I'm sure the other two guys are on board with that. Another thing about 2017, to circle back real quick to Mekhi Becton, do you remember the circumstances surrounding the Jabril Peppers pick other than the trade down from 12? The circumstances I'm alluding to are that he had a diluted drug test right. at the combine, and the Browns still took him in the first round. So it would not be unprecedented for Andrew Berry to be involved with picking a guy in the first round 
with a questionable, um, you know, drug test at the combine. So that's why I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns know enough about Becton, know enough about the test itself, feel comfortable with the circumstances that he could still be their guy. Hmm. So let, let's get to pick ten. Uh, the, the first pick the Browns have this this week on Thursday. Do you think the pick will be at ten, or do you think the Browns are going to trade? I, well, I think, I, I think I, that's the I, question I, right I, now. Sorry, I was drinking some water. Yeah, I, um, I don't ask long <laughs> enough questions. Sorry. No, I, I I said a long time ago. I think when Andrew Berry became GM, I said the Browns. I think the Browns are going to trade down from ten. And you were like, "Oh, really?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's just their mo. That's that. That's the mo. That's the analytics." Um, you know, go-to move in the draft. You know, mm-hmm. it does. Not to say it happens with every pick, but yeah, I mean, it's a staple of, of, of what they believe in. It's a hallmark of, of of what they believe in. So, I'm I'm leaning trade down. I think I am. I think I am too. For for that reason, um, but I, I think that's going to be a tar- tough sell to your fan base that that so obviously knows you need a left tackle um, and that, again that's why the Trent Williams thing is I can't get it out of my mind of trading your second round pick say for Trent Williams and then trading back from 10 and trying to get some of that draft capital back that you gave you give away for Williams um, but I, I swear I'll drop the Trent Williams thing now um, no, no, no. Hey, hey, uh, real quick. Yeah. I understand. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's yeah. got a few more seasons under his belt, probably. He can get to ten like Joe Thomas. We're talking a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah. not not saying he has to get to ten to be a Hall of Famer. We are talking Hall of Famer. Right. That caliber of player. But he hasn't played in a while. He's going to talk. He's going to cost you a league-high salary yeah. at his position. And he had a cancerous growth removed from his head not long ago. Yeah. So I just I don't think it's right an easy answer just because he's a hell of a player. Right. So so it, I, I I don't know I, I I guess I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I get the idea and I like the idea of getting that proven guy in there because it's a crapshoot. I mean you know it's fifty fifty with these first round picks. The guy at ten might be holdable. You right. might just pick a left tackle there and you know two of the big four that we always talk about. And, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, and Andrew Thomas, two of those guys, history says two of those guys are going to work out, and the other two won't. Yeah, that, so, that's very true. So I like. So I think you're you're probably safer with, with Trent Williams, but you're paying him a ton, and there are some other factors like, you know, time off, health, and, you know, all that to consider. So, again, Bill Callahan being there should give them the intel that they need on this. And I'm sure that you know, there's a lot of fill in the blanks that we don't know in this conversation that they should know. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's take this this conversation two ways with our predictions. Then, first, let, let's start with if the Browns don't trade, which now both of us think they will. Um, probably you stronger than I, but let's say they stay at ten. Is Becton the guy at ten? Do you think for the Browns if he is available? Do they, <laughs> do they care about this drug test? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it sounds, you know, if you apply the Jabril Peppers 
theory to it. It wouldn't be unprecedented, yeah. Right. Um, here's my here's my take on this. What what worries me about Becton, and I just took him at number ten in a in a Gannett mock draft, USA Today mock draft. Mm-hmm. I I submitted my pick on Thursday. This drug test news came out on Friday. We recorded on Monday, but I was already locked in. I couldn't change. I would screw everybody else up, all these writers from across the country. Mm -hmm. I wanted to change to Andrew Thomas. Hmm. Okay. Um, Because I just don't know if Andrew Barry, even, you know, even with the Jabril Peppers example, I just don't know if Andrew Barry wants to make his first pick is the youngest GM in NFL history on a guy with the flag drug test when he and Kevin Stefanski have over and over and over again talked about character and how much they value it and how they're going to change the culture of the Browns and basically without saying how they're going to be different than John Dorsey. If John Dorsey were still the GM, I'd say, hell yeah, he already turned that card for back then. He doesn't care. John Dorsey had such a high tolerance for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If the talent was there, he wasn't going to worry too much about this kind of stuff. It was going to work out. He was willing to give second, third, fourth chances, but the talent was there. Andrew Berry, I think he is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, in many ways, uh, at least that's the way he's advertised himself. So, the, to me, the flag drug test gives me pause. Again, they might know. Uh, I'm sure they know more about it than us. I hope so. And they might, and they might know something that makes them comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So, there's all that. But having said it, I'm going to say. Andrew Thomas at 10, if he's available right now, would be my official prediction if they stay at 10 because of what I just said, the uncertainty there. Andrew Thomas just feels safer. I talked to his offensive line coach uh, at Georgia, who's now the head coach at Arkansas, Sam Pittman. I also talked to Mekhi Becton's offensive line coach at Louisville, uh, Dwayne Ledford. They both had great things to say about the guys as you would expect. But one thing that just jumped out at me about Andrew Thomas is how cerebral he is as a player. And uh, Sam Pittman's been coaching for 30-some years. And he said this is the smartest offensive lineman he's ever had. And pro football focus, say what you want about it. Um, You know, I, I, I respect that they put in a lot of work on what they do. I don't always agree with all their opinions, but I respect the work they put in. They have Andrew Thomas ranked first among the tackles, and my Kai Becton ranked fifth among the tackles. I'm not saying that the Browns are going to take PFF's rankings as gospel. The Browns sure better have their own rankings. But we know that in the past, when you looked at the draft picks in 2016-17, when it was Sashi Brown, Andrew Berry, Paul D. Podesta, a lot of those opinions seem to kind of align with PFF. And sometimes you would see a guy like Cody Kessler ranked as, you know, a late-round pick or an undrafted free agent by most, uh, you know, draft gurus, draft service, draft site scouting services. But then PFF had him ranked very favorably, and the Browns picked him in the third round. So 
that's not the only example, but it's one, and it makes that also makes me wonder if you know this is another instance where PFF might kind of uh, give us a clue as to uh, how the Browns view these tackle prospects. Mm. It, it very well could be. I, I think that's going to be really something to follow up on uh, after the draft, comparing um, who the Browns take with how they're ranked by PFF or how their their known spark scores were comparatively. And, you know, Thomas himself, he, to me he's always felt like the safe pick, you know, uh, of the four top offensive tackles, talking about Becton, Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, and Jedrick Wills. Thomas has seemed like the, the safe one, which is, is another way of saying the other three probably have more perceived upside, whatever that's worth to anybody. Um, Joe Thomas ranks them Mackay Becton, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, it's his top four, which is interesting to me. And he explained a little more why on his, on his Twitter feed. I won't go and read off his tweets. But if the Browns do stay at 10, I think Thomas is a perfectly fine pick. I think Becton would be good, too. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to stick with Becton, I think, for now. And a lot of that, a lot of this could change in the next 36 hours or so. But um, So you say Thomas, I say Becton if the Browns stay at 10, assuming both are there, of course. And that is assuming that they don't trade. Now let's assume they do trade Nate. Where, where do you think they would be comfortable dropping down to from 10. You know, there's been a lot of talk the, the Broncos could move up there at 15. The Browns could drop into somewhere like 16 where the Falcons are. You know, somewhere in the middle of the first round. Where do, where do you think would be an appropriate place to trade down to? Well, <laughs> wherever they think that they can fall and still get their preferred left tackle. Hmm. You know, and that and that could be into the twenties. I mean, we've talked about before, twelve to twenty-five. They did for from you know, um, two thousand seventeen. They went from twelve to twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, two thousand sixteen. They went from two to eight to fifteen. So you know, those are those are substantial drops. Um, you know, thirteen picks both times. Um, so. Hell, they're going to end up at number 23 this year. Yeah, they could. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, like, if it's Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones or um, Austin Jackson, whoever it is that they that they think that, hey, you know what, we're going to have our cake and eat it too because that's what they would be trying to do. They would be trying to trade down, gather more assets, and still get the left, left tackle they like. You know what, I can't argue with it as long as you don't get too cute and miss out on the left tackle you like. <laughs> the thing is, we'll never know. Right. Yeah, but I mean, if you can trade down and get your guy that you like more than you know the the the, the first four. Think are better fits than the first four mm-hmm. that we all kind of talk about. Then, okay, so be it. I get it. But you know, I just like I, I'm more conservative when it comes to the draft. I like I like playing it safe. I I I. I I get worried about trading down too far and then somebody trades up and swoops in and gets the guy that you liked. 
and then you're just kind of, you know, left with, you know, maybe, you know, third or fourth guide, you know, in your rankings or whatever. And yeah, you got some extra assets, but I, I, I just, I think this is by far the most glaring need on the roster. And if you're not going to trade for Trent Williams, you better get the rookie that you're pretty confident can come in and fit well into the system, even knowing that he's going to have those growing pains. Mm. So if, if the Browns trade down, you think it'll be still for an offensive tackle at some point? It should be. Yeah. I no. Absent Trent Williams, they should come out of the first round with the left tackle. I agree, but the draft is such a mystery so often and as you mentioned Andrew Barry has been extremely close to the vest with this whole thing and I just wonder you know who it would be if it's not an offensive tackle if they trade down first of all if they trade down I think the pick would be between 15 and 21 15 like I said is Denver 21 is Philadelphia who could they might want to move up for one of these big wide receivers uh, that's in the draft this year, but um, Andrew Barry just worked there, so he right. <laughs> yep, he's, he's got that familiarity. Ding ding. So I, if it's not an offensive tackle, for some reason I, I can't get the name Xavier McKinney out of my head. He's the safety yeah. from Alabama. Um, no one seems to be talking about him as a connection for the Browns. Yeah, a trade down, but if the feeling is, you know, they really wanted a safety, Isaiah Simmons is gone, you know, he's a guy, McKinney, who can play safety and linebacker a little bit, he can blitz a little bit, he can cover really well, I don't know, if it's not an offensive tackle, he's the guy that I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to after a trade down, if it is an offensive tackle... You mentioned Josh Jones. I think that's a good one. Um, if they trade down completely in a big way, Austin Jackson from, from USC is, is a guy I would keep in mind. I mean, he's the youngest offensive tackle in the draft this year. He's a, a really good player who I think was um, slowed down a little bit. He was a bone marrow transplant before the season. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, because this the one scenario we haven't talked about is I, Isaiah Simmons surprisingly falling to ten. Yeah. Anyway, you see that as a realistic possibility. I do. And okay, well then, I mean, hey, if you trade for Trent Williams and then and then pick Isaiah Simmons at ten or whatever the order is and the sequence of those events, are you kidding me? I right. mean, that would be <laughs> that's an A plus. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. Exactly. So. Um. Yeah, but. I just haven't given it enough. I guess why this is being talked about later in our discussion. I haven't put enough stock into him being available at ten. Probably. Me neither, really. But it, it, I mean, some of the talk has been a little bit. You know, it, it's nice that he's a versatile player, but does that mean he's just positionless? What do you do with him? Do you have to go out of your way to build your defense around what he can do? Can he only play safety? Would that be the best use of him? That that kind of stuff. Um, and some have questioned how many just big splash plays he's had. Classic anonymous scout type of of nonsense that gets pushed out there this time of year. But um, if he's there at 10, boy, that's going to be fascinating. 
if they take him over an offensive tackle and they don't trade for Trent Williams, say that that's a whole well, that's a whole new twist. Then you're talking uh, a trade up from 41 probably to get one of the guys in the second tier. Right. Because yeah. they're probably of the three guys we talked about probably aren't going to be there. Now Dane Brugler's talked a lot about Ezra Cleveland to Cleveland. He thinks the Browns are very interested. Mm-hmm. Done, he says he knows they've done the homework. Yeah. He said this on their in-house you know radio uh, show that. They've been uh, reaching out a lot, been in contact a lot, so that that is very interesting to me. You really, when you're kind of going over guys, you skip Cleveland. You're not as high on him as Jones or Jackson. I I'm I like Cleveland just fine, and I know that he is the most athletic offensive tackle in the draft, which you know leads you to believe he should, <clears throat> excuse me, fit in the the scheme well for Cleveland, for the Browns. Um, I, I just don't think he's a great value if, if they're at 15, say. Now, if they're doing the trade back into the first round, I think that would be better. But I, I don't know. I mean, he's extremely athletic. Um, he moves around really easily. Um, you would think he would fit really well in what they want to do, but... I don't know. I, I, I understand the interest, though, that's for sure. Um, Nate, anything else you want to talk about draft-wise before we get out of here? i got to jump on the Governor DeWine thing here momentarily. I think we should wrap up, then. Okie doke. Well, the Browns are going to pick 10th or later Thursday. The NFL draft will start. Nate has a ton, ton, ton of coverage over at beaconjournal.com slash Browns. A lot of great profiles that he talked about. Kai Becton, uh, Andrew Thomas, Marla Ridenauer has some up there. Steve Dorschuk does too. He calls Isaiah Simmons Twinkle Toes, which I thought was funny. Um, so you can find all that over at beaconjournal.com slash Browns. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. That's going to do it for cover two this week. Thanks everybody for listening, and we... Hopefully we'll talk to you next week.